What is up, everybody? We got a loaded show today. We uh, we got some news and notes in the organization as Scott Harris continues his cleaning of the house, I guess we'll call it. We also are going to do two more deep dive player previews in Will Vest and Jason Foley. Not got a couple more bullpen pieces, talk about their seasons and their futures. That's what we got today on Locked on Tigers. You are locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast, And, of course, that is including YouTube. Okay. We got a loaded show. We got a loaded show today. As we said in the cold open, we're going to talk about the news and notes from around the organization. We haven't had any news really since uh, the waiver claims that were made, what, last week? Was that even maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago now? So, we have some personnel moves, not player personnel, but staff personnel moves that we're going to go over. And then we're going to take our deep dives into Will Vest and Jason Foley, like I said, as well in the cold open. We're going to take a look at two more guys in the bullpen as we get closer and closer to the end of the World Series, which is when like player personnel moves are going to start happening. So we need to crank through some of these deep dives so we're probably going to try to do two a day there's a couple that'll be one you know javi and you know the big names like that'll be solo shows but we're going to keep grinding uh first and foremost though we have personnel moves so i guess we'll start with david chad tigers assistant gm david chad and the organization have mutually agreed to part ways that is via Jason Beck of MLB.com. It is also via Evan Petzold, Cody Stavenhagen, uh, Chris McCoskey. I'm sure Woodbury was all over it. Everybody was all on top of the David Chad one, right? Um, both sides apparently discussed, and this is also via everyone, um, apparently both sides discussed him staying within the organization and having a different role which is kind of fascinating that they couldn't find a role for him to be like, yeah, you know, I'll take it, I guess. Good enough for me. Thank you. I'll, you know, take over this much smaller role than assistant GM. And and I will take a, a smaller role. And it also shows Scott Harris wasn't like, hey, see ya. You know what I mean? He didn't walk in and go, all right, David, Chad, get out of here. He said, hey, let's try to find a, a, a different role within the organization. And apparently, he was not offered a role that was big enough for him. I mean, I guess I think that's presumable. I think that's fair to presume that the role that, uh, that, that he would have been offered was not something of his liking, at least. And so he's gone. Yeah, he started off as a scout in 2004. He has been with the Detroit Tigers for almost 20 years. Started as an amateur scout in 2004. So we're seeing this, this cleaning of the house. And we are also seeing that the Detroit Tigers have had a lot of dudes in their front office that have been here for ages, <laughs> for a long, long time. And 
are ahead of departments that have not necessarily been doing very well. Like we're, we're seeing this and Scott Harris has no emotional attachment to any of these dudes. So it's a lot easier for him to come in and just, you know, clean slate, start fresh. So David Chad, the David Chad era of the Detroit Tigers is officially over after again, 18 years, right? That makes it 18 years. We started in 04. Crazy. I, I, I don't have memories of having conversations about the Tigers pre David Chad being a prominent part of the front office. Yeah. So uh, best of luck to wherever is next for David Chad, whether that's in baseball or outside of baseball, but he will no longer be a part of the Detroit Tigers organization and will obviously then no longer be the assistant general manager, which also means that while there is still an opening at general manager for the Detroit Tigers, as it currently stands on Monday, October 25th, well, I'm recording this on the 24th, Monday, October 24th, Tuesday, October 25th, assuming he doesn't record, record. I'm all over the place. Sign someone at like two o'clock in the morning after I finish recording. Uh, that would mean that there is now an assistant GM opening and GM opening under Scott Harris. So really fascinating stuff there. And, and will be definitely interesting to see how he fill those. And then the other big news, because he was just wheeling and dealing on Monday, was that head athletic trainer Doug Teeter will transition into a new role within the organization, and that role will be in Lakeland. Lakeland, obviously, the host of uh, Tiger Town, right down there in Florida, the host of the Tigers' spring training, as well as their, what is that, low single A now? They've moved so much over the years, hard to keep track. But yeah, I believe that's, uh, that's it. That, that now, I believe that is definitely the, the single A affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. So he will transition into a new role down there. Why there? I think it's probably because that's where a lot of rehab assignments are, right? Like that's where a lot of, when somebody gets hurt, a lot of their rehab assignments are to Lakeland first, right? And then once you graduate, quote unquote, from Lakeland, then you go to like AAA and then you go back to the Tigers after. So probably something to do with that. Just uh, keep somebody that's worked with a lot of these dudes for a plethora of years and is, you know, familiar with the organization and, keep him you know he, he he knows a lot of these guys strengths and weaknesses and bodies and and so it's it's I think it's smart I know a lot of people are really frustrated with the athletic department and, and whatnot because of how many injuries we had this season I don't think it's that black and white I do think that it's really hard to stand up, stand up here and be like oh a change wasn't needed like you know injuries were were rampant especially on the pitching side of things this season but I don't think it's as black. Like, I don't, I don't think the best trainer in the world is just like going to come in and, and make sure nobody's hurt all year. Like, I don't think that's how it works either. I think it's kind of a more fluid situation than that, but regardless, he is not in the Detroit Tigers dugout any longer. And he will be in Lakeland senior director of medical services. Kevin Rand will also not be renewed and strength and conditioning coach. Steve chase will not return to the Tigers organization. So there you have it, a complete cleaning of house on a, a couple. Uh, well, we're seeing it over and over again within this front office and just the coaching staff and everything. We've already seen a couple of moves earlier in the offseason that were uh, you know, letting people go and whatnot. And, and so David Chad going, I'm not saying that it's a surprise. Uh, this is not my surprised face that you are seeing right now if you're watching on YouTube. However, 
Uh, it, it's still one of those things that he's been with the organization for so long that when you hear it, you go, oh, my goodness. Like, I, I'm not really sure I ever thought would this day would come, I guess, is my point. But David Chad, no longer with the organization. Then Doug Teeter will not be in the Tigers clubhouse, at least. But he will still be within the organization. So we have a vacancy there now. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to take a look. And, and we will have a new athletic trainer in 2023. And some more other it seems like the whole athletic department is going to be new strength and conditioning coach gone head of the uh the athletic department down there gone and then doug teeter obviously gone uh so it seems like they're kind of doing a, a house cleaning of that which again not surprising after what uh a, a lot of pitchers specifically players in general but but really the the pitchers and the arms did not hold up well at all this season so it is not a surprise to me that they're heading this route and that's it for news and notes as far as right now. Again, if I'm recording this, just so we're all clear, I'm recording this right before 6 o'clock on Monday, okay, 6 p.m. So if something happens, if he makes another move, if he decides he wants to fire, you know, some, some I don't know, more front office personnel or whatnot, we will talk about it on tomorrow's show, okay? I, I can't, can't, can't wait until 1 a.m. every single day in hopes that he – He's going to make a move or not make a move. So, uh, but more house cleaning. And we knew it was coming. We talked about it when he first took over. We talked about that, that he was going to change this team. And we haven't seen the player personnel side of it yet because we haven't, we aren't allowed to right until the world series is over, but we're already seeing it. We've seen a ton of changes. The coaching staff has a ton of vacancies. Now the training department, ton of vacancies, the front office has vacancies. We've seen a lot of changes there even before today. It's time. Change is coming. We knew it was coming. Buckle up because once it starts hitting the players and, and the roster, stuff's going to get wild. I'm actually pretty excited about it. This needed to happen. It was not only inevitable, but it needed to happen. So we'll see who he replaces these vacancies with, who he fills these vacancies with, rather. But for the time being, he's at least some doing something that objectively, again, needed to happen. And that's start from scratch because whatever we've been doing clearly ain't working. All right, let's get into the deep dives for the day. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting, football, and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information, with live betting, up-to-the-minute scores, and every four, rather, every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, so we talked about the the house cleaning stuff um, that, that we needed to do. News and notes from around the organization. Haven't had some of those in a while. It's nice to talk some uh, some current Tigers news and notes. Let's get back into our deep dives on this season. We're going to take a look at two more pitchers because, again, for whatever reason, it took me like a week to actually get to any pitchers. So we're kind of playing catch up now on the pitching side of things. But I want to do 
uh, a couple of, I think, very unique cases in the bullpen, and that is Will Vest and Jason Foley. We'll start with Will Vest. Really a tale of two halves. That That's what Will Vest's season really comes down to in a nutshell. Uh, last season, Will Vest was taken in the Rule 5 draft by the Seattle Mariners, and then halfway through the season was sent back to the Tigers. That's how Rule 5 picks work, right? If you don't know, when a player is taken in the Rule 5 draft, if the, the, the team that drafts them in the Rule 5 wants to get rid of them and cut them, they go back to their original team. So Will Vest returned after having like a six, I think, give or take maybe half a run, ERA in Seattle. Um, so he came back at the end of last season, back to the organization rather at the end of the last season. And then this year really made made a name for himself by hitting the ground running, man. There was a, a very slow start to this season that they never really got out of, obviously. But he was one of the few players early on in the season that you could look at and be like, wow, this dude is is throwing gas. And he had a really good spring. I remember coming on here and talking about how good of a spring Will Vest had, the velocity, the movement. His stuff plays. His stuff is really good. And we talked about it over and over again this season that his stuff was 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 always plus, right? The fastball is pretty solid. It can be flat at times, but it's it's a solid pitch velocity-wise. Um, the, the slider, I think a lot of people really like, and then the changeup was an okay third party, you know, least used pitch. So I think that there were a lot of, there were no expectations for him, but there was a lot of excitement after the first couple of weeks of the season because he looked completely reinvented. And then the second half of the season just really, really struggled. Um, if we look at first half and second half splits, for Will Vest, first half of the season, 30 games, 34 innings, had a 3-4-1 ERA. And in the second half of the season, in 29 games, 28 and two-thirds innings, had a 4-7-1 ERA. More earned runs given up in, what, six less innings pitched. Not great. Strikeout numbers were down in the second half of the season as well. Um, walk numbers were about the same, actually dipped a little bit in the second half, but wasn't getting the swing and miss stuff that he was in the first half. His whip was almost one and a half in the second half of the season. And just in the first half with the three, four, one ERA, it was a one, one. So vastly different halves there. Um, when taking a look at his month by month, you can kind of see where it went wrong again, April and May, right? 208 and a 216 ERA. June comes along 652 ERA. July a 213. And then August and September a f- over a five and a half ERA in August and a 511 ERA in September, October. So just uh, look, I, I don't know. I don't think it was a scouting reported thing. I think it was honestly the effectively wild approach that a lot of relievers honestly have in the game of baseball today. That's why a lot of them are relievers because they weren't uh, efficient enough or effective enough with their command to be long-term starters. That's just an objective truth and how a lot of relievers turn into relievers. And so I think that that effectively wild approach, I mean, his whip in April was a 0.69 and in May was a 0.6. He had a 13 K per nine in the month of May. And I know relievers, 
by month, you're talking about eight to 12 innings, right? Total. So they, that stuff can change very quickly and very dramatically, but uh, it, it's just, it's a really fascinating, I mean, three, he gave up three home runs in September. Okay. If you remove September, he gave up three home runs on the whole season, but then gave up three in September alone. Just really, and I think I keep getting sidetracked with myself, ADHD moment, but um, I, I think that the command is a big reason why. He was effectively wild in the first half of the season. He was getting in the general vicinity of a lot of pitches. We saw with Alex Lang, too, a guy that that if they were even close to where they wanted to hit spot-wise, they were getting either swings and misses or weak contact or at least hitting their spots, maybe even called strikes. But when you're not even close <laughs> – to where you want to hit and you're you're missing your spots by half a foot or a foot, that's dramatically different. And you're going to have way different results. When looking at Will Vest's season, there's a lot of – there's some stuff to like and there's some stuff not to like. And I think that some of the stuff to like is that the numbers on his secondary pitches were pretty solid. The slider especially – Pretty solid pitch. Blew up in a couple of months for sure. But as a whole, that was a pretty effective pitch. One of probably his most effective, like consistently effective pitch, start to finish this year. Um, and and I really like it. And it's way faster than the average major league fastball. It has a really good shape. I think it's not a traditional slider, but it's also not loopy enough to be a curveball. I think it has a nice bite to it. I I, I really like what he has going for him with that pitch. The problem was his fastball was was brutal as of as far as what the offensive numbers against it were. I mean, a slugging percentage of 430 against the four-seam fastball and a batting average of 313 against the four-seam fastball in 2022. Uh, the changeup and the slider both were were significantly better in all regards. And, and so, and the, some of that is just, you know, the four seam fastball is the four seam fastball. Of course, it's going to get hit a little bit more often. Um, and it's kind of the setup pitch, but a batting average of over 300 over a full season when you're a one inning reliever can't happen, right? You, you gotta, you gotta get that down a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean the whiff numbers for the slider and changeup were pretty solid again, just not really the four seam fastball. And the other problem was when he got hit, he got hit hard and, and 10th percentile in hard hit percentage. But, you know, I mean, middle of the pack in K percentage, 51st percentile in K percentage, 46th in walk percentage, not really beating himself too often. 32nd percentile in whiff percentage, not great, but, uh, you know, below average for sure, but not a, a terrible, you know, single digit percentile number. Like he has the ability to get swings and misses um, barrel rate. 52nd percentile like he was pretty middle of the pack and everything except hard hit percentage but to get a barrel you need that launch angle too right so hard hit percentage if it's going straight into the ground I don't think too many people mind and we'll talk about that a lot with Jason Foley in the third segment but you know when it comes to what to do with the future of Will Vest I think there's a lot of different avenues I don't think anyone's necessarily losing sleep if Will Vest doesn't come back, but he also has a lot of control left just because of where he's at in his career. And he did show signs. And, and I, I think that, you know, he he's 27 going on 28. I don't know. 
sure you you can you can bring him back and and i there is a there is an argument for both i guess is what i'm trying to say there's an argument to bring will vest back uh because we did see see signs of life say that 10 times fast and and we did see some good pieces and some good stuff that i think you can work with and build upon and develop but at the same time if you don't bring him back i i I think that there's an argument for that too you know maybe it's he's run his course you think that you've gotten what you can get out of him get a four era this year out of the pen uh and and that's comfortably the the best year of his career because last year was his first major league season and it wasn't very good so we'll, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but under team control has good velocity, has the ability to get uh, decent strikeout numbers, doesn't have a super high walk rate. I think that he's. Uh, it's really just a matter of, okay, well, if the second half of what is what we're going to get over a full season, he's not going to be around too much longer. But if you think he's more similar to first half, first half you have like a two ERA. I don't think anyone's expecting that. But If you get a full season of four ERA, which is what he ended with, spread out evenly over the course of the season, I think you probably bring him back. But if you're getting half a season of almost six ERA ball, then maybe you look around and go, oh, we'll 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 see what we got either within the organization or or looking from the outside. Intriguing conversation, though. I, I could really go either way and be fine with it, to be completely honest with you. Not not a hot take machine. With with Will Vest, all right. It, whatever whatever Scott Harris wants to do, I'll, I'll kind of be cool with it. I I could really very much see either way. Okay, let's get into uh, Jason Foley, one of my favorites. Right after this. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to our third and final segment here of Locked On Tigers. So, Jason Foley, all right. Jason Foley is one of my favorite players on this team right now. And which is like really funny to me just because I don't know. He's like a sinker ball reliever. That's about to be 27 years old. Like, I don't know. He wasn't like a top prospect or anything. Um, but I, I just, I love him. And he, I, I think one of the reasons is because very early on in the season, he struggled when he first came up or when the season first started, I should say he struggled, right? And we talked about it, and and I made very clear. I was like, look, this is – at the end of 2021, I liked what I saw out of him. And I was like, this dude has good stuff. That sinker moves a lot. He's got decent secondary pitches, but really, that sinker can be pretty effective. And then at the start of this season, he just didn't have it. Really slow start to the season. So slow that he got sent down to AAA. And he spent a couple of weeks there. I don't even think it was a month, but he, he spent a couple of weeks there. And then by the end of the season, by the end of the season, by the end of like May, I want to say was back in the majors. And from then on out was, was pretty much lights out. I mean, he was really solid. Um, June had a two, three, eight ERA, July, a two, seven, seven, August, a two, three, one. And then September ended the season on a rough note, he had one really bad outing in September, and that kind of inflated the whole thing. But had a really bad September ERA of like nine something in ten innings. Uh, but taking out the, the the rough end of the season, I mean, really the entire bulk of the season, even May, a three one two ERA. Like he was he was really consistently solid, and the reason why is because of the type of pitcher that he is. 
And I don't think this is a slam dunk to be like a long-term reliever in a Scott Harris bullpen. But I also would be pretty upset if we just cut ties with him in the near future. Like if, you know, if he stinks it up next year, relievers have weird shelf lives, man. So like if he stinks it up next year, then obviously, you know, count your losses and whatever. But I don't think after this season, you can really look around and, and really justify looking at him and the type of pitcher he is and going, no, I don't want you back. I think this is kind of a slam dunk. And he, he was he was really good. And, and he doesn't get swings and misses. That's that's abundantly clear. And that's why there's a part of me that's kind of like, eh, Scott Harris might not like the pitch to contact type of style. Because with starting pitchers, there is still an art to – there's an art for for it no matter what your role is. But – there is still a role in a lot of organizations to be more of a pitch-to-contact pitcher. We see, I know Stroman didn't have a very good this year, but we've seen in the past, like, not a huge strikeout guy, but really good at getting ground balls. Uh, we talk, I mean, Erod, right, one on our own team. I know this year was weird, but uh, we, we he has a long history of being, like, elite at missing barrels. Oh, my goodness. My itchy nose, man. Um and, and But when you look at relievers, especially one-inning relievers, that's not a very common thing. Especially when the, the further back into the bullpen, you back end of the bullpen you get, right? The closer you get to your closer, the more that you want, you know, oh, we want a flamethrower or oh, we want a dude that can get a ton of swings and misses like an Alex Lang, right? We, we want a, a guy who can come in and get strikes and – Pitching to contact is not necessarily the art of getting strikes. That's the art of throwing it in the strike zone and get it inducing ground balls or weak contact, right? And so Jason Foley is very much a pitch to contact one inning reliever, but he was like, I, I don't mean to alarm people, but Jason Foley was elite at being a ground ball or, or weak ball pitcher, not weak contact really. We'll get into that in a second, but a ground ball pitcher. He was elite at inducing them. Walk percentage for starters, 95th percentile. Did not allow walks. That's a huge plus. The first thing you look for in a good reliever is don't walk people. That's step one before anything else. You're only pitching one inning. Don't allow a runner on base. You, Your job is to get three outs. It's a race to three outs. Don't draw walks. And that's why there's so much frustration with Gregory Soto in the back end. We'll get to him at a later date. But so Jason Foley being in, in the top 5% in baseball in walk percentage is a beautiful thing. Expected slugging percentage, 58th percentile, better than league average. Again, doesn't not in giving up a ton of extra base hits. And that's because a lot of people are driving the ball straight into the ground. Now, Fastball velocity, also 88th percentile. That's a fastball with movement, right? That's a sinker. That's a crazy good thing. That, that's great analytically. That looks amazing. Now, K percentage, 12th percentile. Very low. Doesn't strike people out. Expected batting average, 16th percentile. Why? Well, because his average exit velocity was in the 5th percentile. Very low. People hit Jason Foley hard. The reason why I don't care is because his barrel percentage was in the 90th percentile. Vastly different, right? But in order to get a barrel, you have to have the launch angle too, right? 
a barrel is 95 plus and a launch angle that that lifts the ball and gets it into the air and drives the ball deep. So people are hitting Jason Foley hard, admittedly, yes. But they're hitting it hard straight into the dirt. And he's a ground ball machine. And a, just a weak contact, again, weak contact. People are hitting the ball hard. That's not what I meant. And just a barrel missing machine. They're getting under it, pop-ups, or they're driving it straight into the dirt. And that's a great skill to have. It's a necessary skill to have, I think, for some of your pitchers in your bullpen. And it causes great efficiency. The most efficient innings that you can have in the game of baseball are when you throw so few pitches because they're swinging first or second pitch of an at-bat and grounding out or popping out. So I, I think that there is a spot for Jason Foley here long-term. I am a big fan. I will go to bat for him. I will continue to. Just somebody that early on, once he got back from getting demoted, you could just see it was different. That sinker, we on this show, we really fell in love with the, his, the Jason Foley sinker this year, rightfully so, and now we're looking at the end of the season and we're seeing why. So when it comes to the odds of both of them returning, Will Vest, I'm right at a 50-50. Again, like I, I'm not not going to be like a hot take machine when it comes to him. I, I think he's right there in the middle. I could really see it go either way. I guess maybe I'll go 50, like three or 55, just because he does have that team control. So it would be easier, more likely to just hold on to him. Um, I don't know how many minor league options he has left or, or whether those come back with him after the rule five draft and whatnot. But I think at a minimum, he will get a long look, and, and it would not shock me either way, I guess is my point. Jason Foley, I'm going to put at like a 68. Um, I'm going to go go high 60s with that one. And the reason why is because with one-inning relievers, when you have they, – they change so dramatically. Like you, you see relievers will just fall off the face of the planet as far as production real quick, right? That happens all the time. They're like goalies in hockey. If you're a hockey fan, they just like, they they'll be good one season and then they just won't be. And you're like, what happened? It's like, I don't know that, that, that we, we have no clue. That just happens with relievers more than any other position in baseball. They, they just, their, their numbers can change so quickly and so dramatically overnight. So we'll, we'll leave a little bit of space away from a hundred where Scott Harris might come in and go, uh, I don't like these analytics. I want more swings and misses go away. But I, I, I would be somewhat surprised if Jason Foley was not back in the organization. I think that he earned it. I think he had a great year. Uh, I, I think that he's a really good, like first out of the pen type of reliever. You, you want more swings and misses out of the back end. I'll, I'll submit to that. I'll agree with you, but I, I really do think that like, you know, sixth inning, maybe even seventh inning guy, first out of the pen there uh can have just a really efficient quick inning or somebody gets on base can turn it into a double play immediately after i think he has a lot of of intangible skills with that pitch and i I don't even need him to really have a you know three pitch repertoire or whatever like no dude just give me that sinker i'll take the jason foley sinker over most pitches uh in, in this entire tigers bullpen to be honest with you I think it's up there as one of the most effective pitches this major league team has. So 68, 68, we'll leave it right there. 
Um, as far as future of the pen, you know, I, I think we're going to have kind of a deep, a deeper conversation about what to do top to bottom with this bullpen. When we talk about Gregory Soto, because he is so controversial and because the, what to do with the remaining pieces in the bullpen kind of start and end with what do you do with Gregory Soto? So I think that'll be our deep dive on, you know, who's, what is this bullpen going to look like next year? But as far as those two guys, I, I wouldn't surprise me if both of them came back. Um, it, it wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't shock. The only thing that would shock me is if neither of them came back, that would really be the only thing that would really surprise me. Um, and yeah, had, had decent years this year. Vest was more of a roller coaster of peaks and valleys, whereas Foley's was a little more consistent. Um, but a, a, again, got demoted early in the season too. So I think that's all I got. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game clips, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast jason foley finally i'm I'm glad i got to kind of drool over him one last time here at the end of the season um we're getting close world series is here really fun world series at philly's kind of the the america's team and the team of destiny uh but the astros are a juggernaut and i'm I'm not gonna bet against the houston astros they have not lost a playoff game yet for a reason they are unbelievable and i think undeniable but we'll see they play the games for a reason cannot wait And then after the World Series is when Tigers offseason starts, baby. We're going to have a lot of really fun conversations, going to have a lot of really fun guests on this offseason. That's all I got. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. And I will catch you all tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby.